Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What can we do to really heal our nervous system and find ourselves more present in each moment, particularly in motherhood? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 188 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we are speaking with Teresa Pila, one of my favorite people that I have found on Instagram. Now, my conversation with Teresa, it's not directly, consistently related to home birth or even totally birth related, but this information is so applicable to every single one of us. Whether we're struggling with chronic illness or not, whether we're pregnant or not, there is so much that we can pull from this discussion with Teresa and apply to our pregnancy, to our birth, and to motherhood as a whole. We are lucky enough to have Teresa inside of the Home Birth Collective as a guest expert. She is going to be leading our students in an in-depth tapping session, and I am so excited. All right, let's jump into this episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and this is not medical information. It is an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. I would love for us to just take a minute. Would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? Yeah, I am Teresa, also known as Living Roots Wellness, but Teresa is the name I go by in real life off of Instagram. But yeah, I I started posting on Instagram kind of by accident. It was when the world shut down and I was actually planning to open a colon hydrotherapy clinic, but things shifted really quickly when that no longer felt like a viable option and I had been researching and blogging and sharing information for about, I'd say like half a year, just kind of for fun. And Living Roots Wellness was kind of like, just because, and people started reaching out actually, as I'm sure you've experienced with really similar stories, starting to ask questions, asking for help. So I shifted hundred percent into online coaching with an emphasis on those that have been chronically ill and maybe have done all of the treatments, seen all of the doctors, maybe they've flown across the country trying to find answers and haven't found them. And those are the people that I specialize in mostly with gut dysbiosis, but also just chronic gut shutdown. And, you know, it's not just the simple SIBO and slow motility. It could be layers and layers of dysfunction and, compounded by trauma and the trauma of being ill. So that's the focus. And what I found to be most effective given my personal journey was EFT tapping and more of the brain rewiring side of the things because side of the things, that sounds funny, side of things, but just honoring that when someone has been sick for a while and has been in the medical system or even in the alternative world of healing for for a while, it can really change you. The world can start to feel like a scary place, almost like you're living this healing sick person life and everyone else out there is living a normal person life and you're kind of separate. So with the complicated cases that might not be getting better, or maybe they're making a little bit of improvement, but they keep getting sick or they're dealing with really chronic symptoms like fatigue and joint pain and insomnia and just feeling pretty flu-like most of the time is something I see very often. That's where I find the brain rewiring thing side of things to be very helpful in addition to handling what might be going on physiologically because they interact. We are a reflection of our physiology and our thoughts also influence our physiology. So I like to work from both sides simultaneously 
to give the body and the brain the best chance. So mm. that's kind of that kind of sums up my work in a in a nice capsule. Yeah, I that was a, a fantastic way to describe that. And I think that I mean, I always assume that everybody feels this way because right. I've been, you know, I've been living with chronic illness for since I mean, you know, since it, before college. Um, so it's kind of hard to to remember like, oh, I guess not everybody feels this way. But for me, when I found your information, it was so mind opening. Um, I had, I just happened upon it. I can't even remember who was like, who tagged you or what it was, but I stumbled upon your Instagram. I found um, a video that you had done, a tapping video where you walk us through the sequence of what to tap. And what's interesting, looking back, I just remembered, I was actually busy in the kitchen, like unpacking things when I was listening. So I wasn't even tapping along with you. I was just listening to you tap and was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Like this is resonating so deeply. And so then I took what I had kind of gleaned from that session that you had led and went back to my bedroom and started tapping and had this emotional breakthrough where I, you know, realized like, oh my gosh, my body's been working so hard to keep me alive for, you know, 29 years. Like, thank you body. And just, I mean, I cried. It was just this huge, huge transformative experience for me. Um, so I really am so grateful for your work as someone who has gone through that, who has been dealing with the chronic issues. And sometimes I feel like that, I mean, really you, you already alluded to it. Like that can cause just additional cycles of illness where you're so stressed out trying to figure out what's the thing, like what's the cure? How do I fix this? What's the root cause? Um, so yeah, I've, I have found so much benefit from your information, especially your uh, tapping community. It's been, it's been incredible. I love hearing that because that's the thing too. I feel like when you get really sick and you're bogged down, like you said, by trying to heal, it's coming from a really good place. You so badly want to feel well, but it removes you from feeling connected to the rest of the world. And mm -hmm. that again, just adds to that feeling of sickness, the stress, the lack of purpose, the lack of meaning. So I do think the community aspect is huge. And if anything, just appreciating and acknowledging that this community is growing. There are a lot of people that maybe feel isolated and alone and terrified that their bodies are not working. And if we can even just start there and, and almost build like a, a sense of family from that. And then like you experienced, start to change the, the relationship we have with our bodies, because I think we often get upset and feel like our bodies have let us down or like they're not working well enough or there's something wrong with us versus, wow, my body has been trying this entire time to heal. My body never stopped trying to heal and changing the way we then speak to ourselves, the way we coach ourselves through the harder moments, because you and I both know it's it's not a linear journey. We might improve in certain areas and then have flare-ups and then get kicked back down with some spike proteins and have to climb mm -hmm. our way up again. And if we can speak to ourselves and think and behave in the most loving and even almost like the most ideal way possible, how we actually want to show up as human beings, that does change the way the body then responds. Instead of pumping out stress hormones, we might actually release the hormones that are conducive to healing or relaxation so that we do sleep through the night, so that we do repair the organs that are struggling. It all feeds back into a certain cycle and we can either move in the direction of more breakdown, more catabolism, more disease, or, oh, repair, energy, the natural detoxification that happens when we provide our body with fuel and the right components. So yeah, it's kind of, a, it's, it's part of the paradigm that I really like that I feel like is becoming more popular about this idea where it's, and Ray Pete talks about this a lot, but it's this idea where structure and function is not separate. So why not treat the body, treat someone as this unique organism honor the emotions, honor the trauma, honor the history, 
honor their desires, their goals, and kind of support that. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> I love that. And one thing that you said that uh, I just related so deeply, I feel like, to childbirth um, was this idea of, you know, we get into these negative loops, you know, it's, it's compounding. So we're like uncomfortable, fear, tension, pain. That's exactly what happens in labor, but that's exactly what's happening to us on a daily basis when we are struggling with, you know, some types of chronic illnesses and when we can, which is like what the whole goal is to figure out how can we switch that negative feedback loop to one that's more promoting of, you know, comfort, relaxation, happiness, like, you know, enjoyment. And if we can switch that in our day-to-day -day lives, what are going to be the ramifications of that? That's huge. I'm glad you brought that up because the ripple effects are what I find really inspiring because it's almost like you tweak one area, you start to soften or flip around certain thought patterns and it completely spills into other pathways. And you might even be surprised that something that previously would have felt terrifying or something that felt completely impossible to you, all of a sudden becomes something that's exciting to you, something that you feel ready for, something you feel enthusiastic about. So that's exactly it. Starting to, it's almost like using your life as preparation for moments of uncertainty. How do you want to show up for that? What kind of person do you want to be in those moments? How do you want other people to feel around you in those moments? And starting to make that real, it's almost like, you, yeah, you get to practice it. And then you're surprised when it actually starts to click. It's like, this is the new you. Oh, wow. This is me now. I'm that positive, hopeful person that people feel really inspired to be around. Wow. I'm the person that actually feels calm and collected when the world is falling apart. Interesting. How interesting. <laughs> Before we go any further, I would love for us to take some time to talk about what got you here to this place where you know, you felt the need to focus on your nervous system. What was previous Teresa like? What were you experiencing? As we were talking about before we started recording, I am very well aware that the state of the mother's health and the mother's nervous system directly imprints and impacts and shapes the child and sending so much love to my mom and respect. But she was going through a really tough time when she was pregnant with me. My father was very abusive. She was working the night shift. Definitely not an ideal situation in terms of a safe environment for a child to develop in. So I feel like I came into the world with a really frazzled HPA axis. As early as I can remember, I was really anxious, really scared. I was always hiding behind the adults, just feeling like the world was a very scary place. And to add to that, I was also kind of sickly. I always had ear infections. I remember probably as early as kindergarten having a swollen belly. And, you know, that's something you don't really have anything to compare it to. So I just thought that's normal from my limited understanding at the time. This is just, this is the human experience. Here we go. But it quickly started to become clear to me that something was off probably by fourth or fifth grade where I started to feel so fatigued, beyond fatigued, beyond sad, just feeling, feeling different from the other kids. And that's how I knew because I could see how much energy and gusto the other kids had at recess. And I felt depleted. I felt just, yeah kind of kind of empty in a lot of ways and as the years went on we fell more into the I guess the western approach of just treat this and never really look for the root cause so I was put on Prozac in probably halfway through high school even though again no one thought to address what is what's going on here. What why is this child different than the other kids? And it just got worse and worse the older I got. And as I mentioned before, I thought we had figured it out when I was halfway through college. I had a Lyme and co-infection 
diagnosis. It was Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, Chlamydia, Pneumoniae. If any of our listeners are familiar with that, we started heavy duty treatments, basically six months of antibiotics and antibiotic injections. And then anyone in the chronic illness world probably knows that testing is a big part of it. So it's almost like the more tests we did, the more we found. So we started chelating heavy metals. I started doing mold chelation therapy. I started limiting and avoiding certain foods because I was told at the time that sugar feeds Lyme's disease. So remove it all, go on low carb, only eat nuts and fat. And that was what I was offered. So my entire worldview started to shift because here I was suddenly a sick person needing to do certain things. And the funny part about it was that the more I stuck to these rigid protocols and the more doctors I saw and the more tests I did and the more supplements I took, the sicker I got, the worse I felt. And I think it hit a, the climax was basically when my treatments were not working. I had dropped to about 79 pounds. I was offered tube feeding through the heart. I had lost complete gut motility. I was told it was nerve damage from the Bartonella, which can cause basically, if you've ever seen Bell's palsy of the face where people's faces start to droop from the nerve damage, that's essentially what happens to the gut. Not a good situation to be in. And it was, it was terrifying for me. It was terrifying for my family members. And it was also the most helpful moment because now I look back and I'm so grateful because it almost provided me this moment of clarity where I realized no one was going to save me. No doctor, no specialist, no matter how much training they had in the field of Lyme disease and co-infections and complex chronic illness and chronic fatigue and you know, hypothyroidism, no one was going to fix me. And in that moment, and this, I guess, was over a couple of months where it really hit me. Wow. I sunk into a deep despair, but I found this sense of peacefulness and this sense of, okay, if this is all there is, what do I want to extract from what felt like the remaining months of my life? And I was working with a really helpful therapist and coach at the time. I, I talked to her weekly, but she specialized in hypnosis and EFT tapping. And we started using EFT more and more and more. And that's when I would notice that I would get these moments of almost what felt like bliss or euphoria or hopefulness, where it didn't even matter that I was living in a sick body. I almost could feel the separation where I could reconnect to the part of me that felt really healthy and even honor the part of me that was so sad that my youth felt like it had been stolen from me. But, you know, also acknowledging, wow, there's a part of me that actually really wants to stay here. I'm upset because my body is not functioning the way I thought it should or think a body should. And there's a part of me that really wants to figure this out so I can enjoy this life. So starting to really understand my role in my illness and my unintentional compounding of symptoms by following all of those protocols. Again, it allowed me to kind of look at this functional world of medicine and say, wait a second, my intuition all along was telling me this doesn't quite feel right. This restriction, these diets, these protocols, the IVs, the injections, this doesn't feel right. And at that point, after having tried what felt like everything, it was finally freedom to think about, well, what might happen if I do it my way and really focusing on the thoughts. And I mean, there's nuance here too, because I, given that I had lost all motility, it wasn't as simple as, well, just eat what you want and feel amazing. It was okay. We still have to figure out how to support the body as it heals. But that led me into the world of, uh, I guess, pro-metabolic nutrition is what it what's popularly referred to these days, but a lot of the work that Dr. Ray Pete shares were like these light bulb moments for me because it was very counter to everything I had learned up until that point, but it made sense. And I started testing things on myself 
and I started getting better and I started feeling better. And it, again, it was this beautiful, what felt like, um, oh, I don't even what I don't even know what to call it, but kind of like a figure eight where I'd make some progress physically and then I could feel more hopeful, feel more inspired. I could get these glimpses of, wow, this is actually working. There was a sense of positive reinforcement there. So that led me to, again, where I am now, just feeling like I I want to go speak directly to the people that have tried everything, that are doing everything right, that are terrified that their body is never going to heal, that feel like no one has the answers. And yes, I want to say no one has the answers but you. And that's the freedom in this. We can get inspired by other people. We can gather strength and lean on one another. But ultimately, you get to take full responsibility. And it starts with the way you think about your body, your health, your food, the way you treat your body, the way you speak to yourself as you do the most mundane things. And you really can change your whole trajectory if you choose to. Wow. Yeah, I think that one thing that you just spoke on that really hits hard is this idea of you being the expert on yourself, you know, and the concept of radical responsibility. It's something that we discuss deeply when it comes to giving birth, no matter what scenario, you know, whether you're at home or in the hospital, it's still the fact of the matter is, is that you know your body better than anybody ever could. It doesn't matter if someone's wearing a white coat. You are the expert. And I love hearing that in your story. I love how I think that the other issue is, is that some of us who maybe have that personality who's like, okay, well, I don't really necessarily want to go down the Western medicine mainstream path. I'm going to go to do all these alternative therapies. Even on that path, at some point we have to realize, all right, I'm still the expert. Like these other things are not more important than me. And I am, I am the one and I have to take radical responsibility for myself and for my health. You know, and I think that's a big piece too, because we want to trust our providers and there's a part of us that maybe even wants that safety of thinking, oh, thank goodness they know what's best. But there's this funny, there's this nuance here where we might have this intuitive feeling that doesn't feel right or something just doesn't feel, yeah, it just doesn't feel like it's the right path for us, but we push it down. We ignore it because the provider we trust is telling us this is what we should do. But I think if we start to change that paradigm, like you said, realizing you are the expert you know your body best. You get to show up as an equal whenever you're coming up with a plan or discussing treatment options. And that can change things because oftentimes the body, the body might let you know that something is amiss before the brain really catches on. And part of that is kind of relearning to connect to the body and listen to the wisdom in the body to honor that and, and get curious about what that might open up for you. Oh, that's huge. So one thing that I would love for us to kind of go into a little bit more is what EFT tapping is and even more so what is what is nervous system regulation and why would we need that? Really great question. So I'll start with the nervous system regulation, but I think there's this idea that we should we should be very parasympathetic and calm and rest and digest all the time, but that's not true either. I think a regulated nervous system is kind of in this balanced state of readiness where it can be, I should say a relaxed readiness. It can, you know, lay down and feel safe and feel creative. But if something startles you, you're ready to react. You're ready to jump up. You're ready to sprint if needed, but you can oscillate between these different states as the situation demands. And I think a lot of people, especially given the state of trauma and the way that changes the nervous system, people find themselves stuck in a fight, flight, freeze, fawn, or even a collapsed state. And it might actually start to feel safer to be in those 
shut down or fear-based state because it's kind of the norm, it's familiar, not realizing that we want to be more adaptable. We want to be more flexible. We do not want to get stuck in a state. All of these states have primitive purposes for keeping us safe, but ultimately we want to be able to shift and even think wisely about them. Say something stressful does happen. We might notice in our bodies, our tendency to say, want to run away. We want to just flee. We want to get out of there. But if it doesn't warrant that, if we can actually show up a little bit more wisely and show up more in, more in control of ourselves, I would argue that that's a more regulated state to be in. So tapping, EFT tapping, there's many branches of this, but it's essentially you're tapping on different acupressure meridian points while stating specific statements. And it starts by acknowledging what the stressor and thought patterns might be, honoring what's coming up in the body, noting how these thought patterns might have formed, and then thinking more wisely and rationally about how we actually want to be. And what's interesting about tapping is that it was originally started, they originally started using it for people with PTSD because they found that an active ingredient in the technique are actually the points because of the way they start to lower the fear activation in the brain. And as most people know, when we're under significant stress, when we are in one of those stress states, our prefrontal cortex shuts down. We can't really think rationally. It's as if we're hijacked by the more primitive aspects of our brain. But if we can get the prefrontal cortex back online and even almost watch the more primal parts, the more limbic regions of the brain and override them with a sense of wisdom and calm, we can start to change our response, regulating the nervous system and then changing our behavior. So what might feel like something is locked in place because that's what we've always done. This is how we've always been. I hear this all the time for people that identify as just being always anxious. They identify as being depressed. They identify as always being hypervigilant or type A. I would argue that that's more a reflection of maybe what they've been through, what they've been practicing, but that's not set in stone. So a lot of this work of learning to regulate is noticing what habits we have, what tendencies we have, honoring how they might have formed, whether it was how we came into the world, maybe even early life experiences, given the state of our caregivers' health and their nervous systems, and starting to gently shift that. And it takes time, as you're, I'm sure you're noticing some of these habits. You think, you think you've broken it down and changed it, and then it comes up in a different situation and you realize you still have work to do, but that's part of the beauty of it too. You, you get to keep working on it. And eventually you look back and you realize just how much has changed, how, what felt like it was so set in stone all of a sudden no longer bothers you. Wow. Yeah. I think that's a great point is this, the idea of brain rewiring, the thinking of our brain has these grooves. And so, yeah, sometimes it might take a while to kind of smooth those grooves out and add the new wiring that is easier for us to follow more consistently. Um, but it's true. I, I mean, I just think about the times where I am able to to see what's going on. Like you said, that prefrontal cortex watching the limbic system, like, oh, hey there, Lassie. Like, <laughs> I see what's going on. I see where you're going with this. And I understand. I understand why you're feeling this way. But being able to uh, have that sense of mindfulness that is helpful in so many aspects of life, uh, that's, that's huge. You know, and what you did there I love is you're able to speak to the part of us that might be more childlike because oftentimes these parts of us form early in life given stressful moments or they often come up to protect us and then they never really let down their guard and it's like we take on these personality traits thinking they're a part of us but I love how you 
with that sense of mindfulness and awareness, you can speak to those parts. And that's part of the brain rewiring too, realizing that, wait, there's nothing wrong with us. That worried part of us, wow, they're actually trying to protect us. They're constantly on guard and constantly hypervigilant because they want to make sure we're safe. And that can change the way we relate to ourselves or even relate to anxious thoughts or fearful thoughts. So really it's, it is kind of this stepping back and realizing that all of these parts are here to help you. And then you get to choose the ones that you really listen to and feed into more often. And, and I think the, one of the amazing aspects too, is realizing that you are the awareness of all of these parts. And I think sometimes we get swept away by the voices in our heads Maybe the voice that worries, maybe the voice that's painting the story, this is going to go terribly. Thinking of birth, oh my gosh, it's going to be terrible. I don't know if I can do it. What if something goes wrong and I have to get rushed to the hospital? All of those stories, noticing that and realizing that you are the awareness of that and, and, and knowing that, okay, well, do we have to feed into that fearful thought? That thought is just trying to protect me. What about the other thought over here that might actually be calm and collected and really hopeful about this event. They're all, we can pay attention to whatever voice we want and we might have to, we might get to practice feeding into the one that feels more supportive to us and noticing how that then starts to change how we feel. Because I think most of us are at the point where the fearful, doom-based, worrisome voice doesn't really feel good, especially if there's criticism as a part of that voice. It doesn't feel good. It's not the way we'd speak to our loved ones. It's hopefully not the way we'd speak to our kids. It's not the way we'd want to be treated, yet we do it to ourselves all the time, often without even realizing it. So that brain rewiring, thinking of those grooves that we're practicing over and over again, why not practice the grooves that feel good and have those become the deepest, most utilized highways so that the brain can just default into the pathways that feel good. Yeah. And I do think that just being able to take that step back, that ability to just to one step, like a tiny, teeny little fraction of a second, if we can give ourselves that to be able to look at the situation instead of just rolling along in the waves of what we're experiencing, it can change everything. And I will, I'll give a birth example. I remember with my second, um, with my second daughter, birth was happening quickly, like shockingly quickly. And I remember thinking, whoa, this is a lot, like this is a lot going on. And then as I had that thought, I remember also thinking, if you have enough time to think this thought then you have enough time to reframe what's happening and think about all of the positives of what is going on. And that happened at the beginning. I mean, it was a short labor, but it happened at the beginning. And so for the rest of the labor, it was like, oh yeah, I'm in this. I'm enjoying this. This this contraction is enjoyable. This is something that I'm experiencing and that I'm a part of. And so I love that idea of just, if we can just take just a fraction of a second to separate the thoughts from us, like the, the real us. Yeah. There's so much control in that. Yeah. And also what I love about that example is that you can use something that is so-called negative as your cue to reframe. So that moment where you're that voice said, Oh, this is really fast. Oh, great. That's the signal to shift. And because most time people are like, well, I would love to think more positively, or I would love to engage the more hopeful thought patterns, but I never remember, or I, you know, I forget to shift in the moment. So that can be for the listeners, this can be really helpful to realize that just by noticing when you don't feel the way you want to feel, or you're not thinking in the ways you want to, that's your cue to shift. And you might start to catch yourself faster and faster. And that's, that's the amazing thing about this because it's we're not expecting perfection. The goal is not to just be a Buddha-like creature where you never get upset, you never get scared, you're never worried, you're never hooked by a certain thought pattern, but it's the fact that you catch yourself and you start catching yourself faster and faster and more kind with more kindness to the point where it's 
second nature. Hmm. Now, what are the ramifications of this for pregnancy? I know that we talked a little bit about your story with, you know, your mom was in a very difficult place during her pregnancy and your early childhood. What are the ramifications of that nervous system? And if we can shift it to a more positive place during our pregnancy, how does that impact things? A lot of my understanding actually comes from looking at the studies. And I think even anecdotally, we can talk to each other and and speak to moms and speak to children and realize, wow, the state of my, where my mom was at really shaped me. And I think the studies are interesting in the sense that we are beginning to understand that the, the state of the mother's nervous system directly imprints on the functioning and development of the child's nervous system and also has ramifications towards their hormonal development. There are studies suggesting that mothers that are extremely stressed, that are going through some kind of trauma or even, you know, just having to work a job they don't like or under-resourced, underfed, their children are more likely to be mineral deficient, have hypothyroid type symptoms. I mean, I'm sure the mineral status plays a huge role in terms of the development that they are able to access or not access. Because if you think about coming into the world deficient, of course, that's going to change the way that you can develop. And thinking about, again, if a mother is really stressed and, you know, dealing with their own trauma or constantly criticizing themselves, constantly worrying. It's almost like the developing child is getting signals of what the what the world is like before they enter it. So if the mom is constantly hypervigilant and terrified, the baby is getting this message, okay, I better I better ramp up those stress hormones because that world that I'm about to pop into, not safe, not fun, lack of resources. But the other, the other side of the story is true as well. If they're getting these signals of joy and euphoria and relaxation, it's almost like before they even come into the world, they're programming and, and absorbing this idea of, wow, this seems like a good place to be. I'm excited. And, you know, this, this is absolutely changing the way they will develop as children because they're already going to be in this this state of, you know, kind of openness and safety, not having to recover from coming into the world a little bit frazzled as I described my myself. Right. I think that if that feels overwhelming for anyone, um, something that I that, that comes to my mind is taking a time every day or, you know, whenever you think about it to just sit in a quiet place and connect with your baby. You know, obviously we can't control can't control the fact that there's been a pandemic. We can't control the fact that, you know, the world sometimes seems crazy and outlandish <laughs> to us. But if we can make a practice of all right, this is the time where I'm going to focus inward. I'm going to appreciate my body for everything that it's doing. I'm going to appreciate the way that it is growing this new life and the fact that there is a a new being that is going to be here because of what my body is doing and and taking time to get to know that new being while it's still growing. I think that that is such a great place to start. Do you have any thoughts on that, Teresa? Oh, absolutely. As you were saying that I was, and I'm not sure if they can measure this yet or if anyone's putting the time or resources to studying this. I hope they do, but the body is always listening to what we tell it. It's constantly picking up our thoughts as data points to then figure out how to respond or react. So I think intention and attention goes a long way. So even, you know, resting your hands on your belly and sending love and gratitude and appreciation and talking to yourself and your baby sweetly. That's huge because our job again is not to pretend that the world is not stressful, but what we can do is say, even though the world is the way it is, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm going to provide as much love and comfort and support as I possibly can. That sets up 
such a different environment. And I think, I mean, thinking of the the children that develop beautifully, they can grow up in a stressful and larger environment. But if the parents and the mother specifically are attentive and present and most of all loving, to me, that is the most protective factor. It's, it's the biggest gift any mother can give their child. And yeah, it really comes back to intention. And like you said, that moment of that presence, if you can just pause and be fully present and gift that love. I can't imagine a better a, a better thing to be doing. <laughs> mm. Now, let's talk about uh well, I'd love to talk a little bit in a minute maybe about um some of these things in relation to birth, but I'm also thinking about postpartum and not only just like immediate postpartum, but just child raising in general. Maybe someone's 3 years out and they're like, you know, I didn't really do that with my child and maybe they're even noticing like, oh, my my daughter has some anxiety, it seems like, or there are some things going on. What can we do to help start regulating that and, and shifting things for our kids even? Yeah. First of all, no shame because I realize as we're speaking, I don't want any mom to feel like, oh no, I messed up my child or my child's anxious because I didn't do a good enough job. That's not what this is about. This is realizing that at any moment you get to change course and you get to change almost like the energetic imprint you give off. And I think oftentimes you can just tell when someone is regulated because you naturally feel drawn to them. There's a reason why a so-called negative emotion is called a negative emotion. It's because we instinctively feel, you know, repulsed by it. You know, we just if someone's anxious or if someone's angry or if someone's gloomy and down, we naturally feel like we want to push away. So again, coming back to, towards what is regulated, we naturally feel drawn to it. And I think that's where there's, that's where we can have an impact because the more you can tend and take care of yourself, the more that rubs off on the people around you And it's not even to say that you need to be in a perfectly regulated mood all the time, but if you can bring a sense of awareness and compassion to yourself, even when you're not feeling regulated, your children will absorb that and realize, wow, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be anxious. I'm still a worthy human, even though I'm feeling, you know, even though I'm feeling a little bit altered. Okay. What can I offer myself? What can I what can I give to myself right now to support myself as I find my way back to a more comfortable baseline? So I think that's where, where moms, if they feel like, whoa, okay, I've rubbed off on my child in maybe a not so beneficial way. What can I do about it? Start by honoring where you're at without judgment and gently starting to shift towards how you want to be. And that's, again, that's where, that's why I use tapping. It's only one tool. I think there are so many amazing tools that can help bring the nervous system back. And it's just a matter of what you feel drawn to and what feels like it works for you. And I've actually worked with a lot of moms that end up tapping with their kids, their toddlers, their little ones, and they like it. They, they respond really well to it. And in the process, they're learning, wow, it's okay that I'm upset. I'm allowed to feel this way. It changes the whole scenario because I think a lot of us, it depends how we're raised, but we might have learned that it's not okay to be sad, that if we're sad, we better we better get over it. Or it's not okay to get angry because we would be punished for showing anger. You get to teach your kids that all emotions are welcome, that you get to move through them. You know, say with anxiety, for example, what if your children get to learn that, oh, when I'm feeling this fluttery feeling in my belly and in my chest, that's the cue for me to take some deep and slow breaths. That's my cue to tend to myself. We would raise a very different generation of children if if those were the tools we were delivering. Oh, I agree. It's so funny (laughs) just 
thinking about since I've been tapping now for, for quite a while, my daughter will say to me, I think you need to go do your taps. Like, no you know, way. Yes. You need to go do your taps. Oh my gosh. Well, that's, that's something we didn't touch on. The fact that, I mean, our kids mirror us. They might even notice we're dysregulated before we do. And oh, how yeah. amazing for her to be regulated enough to say, mom, I think you need to go take care of yourself and normalizing that because she's, that means she's already instilled the message that, oh, we're allowed to take care of ourselves. When we're mm -hmm. off, our duty is to take care of ourselves. She's not trying to fix you. She's not trying to comfort you and say, mom, what's wrong? I love that. That's beautiful. Oh, it's, so, it's it's one of my favorite things. And it's like, oh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And and it is, it's true. And we think about the, I know when you were talking about negative emotions and the idea of like, ooh, like, woo. When you feel negative, it's like, ooh, don't like that. I mean, how many times have you felt somebody walk into a room Without seeing them, without, and you already know, like, oh, they're not in a good mood. Like, it is, there is something more to it. You know, there, there are waves, there are frequencies being sent out and we can feel them. And, and I think my kids are probably more perceptive with that than even I am. I think that they're, I mean, you know, you know, they're so perceptive, like they're picking everything up. Mm -hmm. um, and so, that being the case, when I started really, like really deeply working on the tapping, one of the first things that I noticed was because, and I, I want to mention this because I think it's important. I don't feel like I was regulated, especially during my first pregnancy. I was in a very anxious, panicked state. And so there were, when, as I started kind of working through these things, I had some feelings of like guilt of, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't do... I didn't do right by my daughter because I'm anxious and, or I was anxious and now she's going to deal with these issues because of that. And, but what happened was the absolute opposite. Once I started working on myself and tapping, not worrying about her, not focusing on her or anxiety, anything like that, all of a sudden our relationship, which was, seemed wonderful anyway, just we were in perfect sync. And all of the the times where she might start feeling a little frazzled or anxious, those I'm just gonna pause because of the cuckoo clock, but whatever. Anyway, those when she was starting to feel anxious, those times started just decreasing on their own. I wasn't making her tap. I wasn't having her do anything. Simply me changing changed her perspective changed the way that she felt comfortable in the world. And I think that that is so positive and so amazing to know that like, if, even if let's say that, you know, you do notice, oh, you know, maybe my child is, is struggling. If we just work on ourselves, holy cow, it changes so much around us. As you're explaining this, I'm even thinking too about the state of the world. We so badly wish our leaders were acting differently. We so badly wish things were different. Sometimes forgetting that, wait a second, if we show up as the more ideal version of ourselves, like you're, like you're describing so beautifully, it's going to have ripple effects because if we're more regulated, if we're calmer, if we're easier to be around, other people are going to notice that that could change someone's entire day. It could change the way they go home and then treat their family. It's yeah. I think people have a lot more control than they realize and how amazing to get those, that feedback right away from your daughter and realizing, Oh wow, actually it's not a matter of fixing her or changing her. I get to do this for myself and everyone benefits. We're all co-regulating. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, Teresa, this has been just such an enlightening and illuminating conversation. And I have wanted to be able to sit down and talk with you for so long. So I'm grateful to have been able to rope you into this and <laughs> discuss all of the nervous system things. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you, Caitlin. This was so fun. A great way to end the week. <laughs> Is Teresa not one of the most calming wonderful presences. 
I was so honored to have her come onto the show, and I hope you were able to grow through this discussion. As we head into today's episode roundup, a number of beautiful bits stood out, and I'll focus on these. Number one, learning to release in one area of life oftentimes allows us to soften and release in other areas. This is such a great reminder for motherhood. As we learn to soften and sink in and release, our experience of motherhood will be positively impacted. Number two, no one has the answers but you, and there's freedom in that. Ultimately, you get to take full responsibility. Teresa mentioned this in relation to her search for health during chronic illness, and the very same applies to birth. Yes, it is wonderful to find others who can support us, encourage us, and teach us, but ultimately, this is your life. And it is so much more fulfilling, despite the fact that it may at first feel daunting when we embrace the responsibility. Next, if you have time to think to yourself, oh man, I'm not thinking or feeling the way I wanted to, that is your cue. You can take that one little moment of awareness. That's all you need is one little moment and remind yourself to refocus. And the more that you do this, the more aware you will become and the quicker and easier it will be to refocus as time goes on. And finally, I love this one. Remember that we cannot control the craziness around us. We live in a world that can be dark at times and there is undeniably trouble and struggle within the human condition. But despite this, or even in light of this, How important is it for us to connect to our babies and let them know how well they are loved? As Teresa said, it's the biggest gift a mother can give to their child. Teresa, you are such a gift. I am so honored to have you as a guest expert inside of the Home Birth Collective, and I love that my students get to learn from you in this intimate setting. For all of you listening, I highly encourage you to follow Teresa at Living Roots Wellness on Instagram, and I 10 out of 10 recommend her tapping membership, Tapping with T. If you're looking for support, she is giving it out consistently. Okay, my friends, that is all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.